here we're going. What? How fast we're going. I don't know. Ten? Eight. Be advised, this is an explicit podcast. If you're easily offended, get your panties twisted into a knot. Leave now. Run in your safe space. Get your little cloth for your tears. All the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and his guest and do not reflect the opinions of any local or government agency. Welcome to Motor Cop Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Iceman. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get the uh, housekeeping out the way as normal. We're going to, of course, shout out to Patreon first. And because uh, they're helping me pay my bills, which I highly appreciate. And uh, if you want to join Patreon, just go to Patreon. It's three different tiers. And you can join up also on these episodes. We just shout, shout out the, the full-fledged crew members. Of course, we got our uh, truck driving buddy, Mr. Hoppy Hopperson. We have uh, Christopher DeMars, our good buddy. We have uh, Z Palmer. We have Miss Lauren Stimson. We have Roy S. Roy Spaulding. Oh. Race car driving crew member. We have our favorite girl from down under, JoJo. We have Miss Kaylee Norris. We have Natasha A. from Washington. And we have the OG crew member, Melissa Holstein. So if you want to join up and be a crew member or a, a hang around or a prospect, I do put out a lot of stuff on there. I mean, uh, several times a week. Not all episodes, but it's pictures, videos, or just random rant text I'll put out on there. If that's anything you'd be interested in, go check it out. <clears throat> go check out the new uh, website, www.motorcopchronicles.com. Link will be in the description below. Also, it has all the uh, links to the other stuff, the Etsy store, uh, everything. So if you want any merchandise, T-shirts, whatever, go check that out. That's on there also. Uh, and Christmas time's coming up. If you'd like an awesome cigar for yourself or to give as gifts, go to mypatriotscar.com and uh, use the promo code MOTORCOP15. Get 15% off. Anything over $100, you get free shipping, premium cigars. You won't be disappointed. Go check that out and uh, help support uh, small business people also. Go join the uh, Facebook private group, The Clubhouse. Clubhouse is two separate words. Answer three questions, and uh, you get in. That's free. You can interact with uh, some of the other uh, members there. Uh, that's free. It's about 100 people, 101 people in there. And uh, we're a little more risque with the with the memes and stuff in there. So if you some of you are interested in, check that out. Other than that, uh, we're going to jump into it. I do have a guest today. We're going to... Uh, going to introduce well let him introduce himself uh if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself give us your uh background and stuff like that and we're gonna get the ball rolling heck yeah well i appreciate it ice man yeah everyone my name is scott medlin worked in law enforcement for 15 years and now currently i work with law enforcement as much as i can to speak and teach and write i have a youtube channel the 10 code mindset it's a podcast audio as well and uh, basically just focusing in on keeping police officers alive and thriving because, unfortunately, the threat of suicide and mental health challenges are just ever so present. And I was one of those that got into the career and, just like any other cop, was very excited. And I had a promising career ahead of me. And if someone were to tell me, oh, you, you won't be chief one day, I'd have told them to go get a mental evaluation because my path was clear. And uh, uh, basically just had some mental health challenges Totally unexpected because never thought it would happen to me. I, I would always say I'm fine. Turns out I wasn't fine. And I just figured I'd open up, but also uh, use, a, use research that I've done to help 
bring down these mental health statistics and inspire cops as best I can. Well, that sounds fantastic. I also subscribe to his uh, podcast on, on the platforms. I, I've checked out a few of the YouTubes also. But he's gotten more listens to me while I'm driving back and forth to work. <laughs> so, uh, y'all go uh, check him out on that also. Uh, he's uh, he's way uh, cleaner than me also, we'll say that. Because <laughs> my listeners already know that I just go off sometimes on rants. But uh, it, it, he's, it's, it's good. I, I've enjoyed a lot of his episodes also. Thank you. Uh do you want to do you want to talk about you want to talk about some funny stuff you want to talk about some serious stuff when i have guests on i kind of let them set the tone for whatever the conversation wants to be oh i got you well i just i i don't know how much your audience is active in law enforcement i would just say be honest with yourself um you know it's obviously a very tough time to be in law enforcement and i remember working in the year was 2014, 2016, and then how could we ever forget May of 2020 when that unfortunate incident in Minneapolis happened and all of a sudden the cops everywhere across the country are getting completely cracked on. And it's, it's just a level that, uh, it's a level that we never anticipated. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to justify what anybody does if it is out of bad intent or, or makes a mistake of doing, but, but for the rest of us who, had good intentions and, and, and they're still doing great. Uh, it's, I don't think it's right for us to be, have these blanketed statements put upon us, but they, but they're there. So I just say it's all the more important reason to take care of yourself and know who you are and why you're doing what you're doing and, uh, surround yourself with good uplifting people and help, help you weather this storm we're in. Cause who knows how long it's going to last. That That's true. I've never, uh, like I said, I, I made a little short one over, uh, for Sunday's episode. And I mentioned on like uh, how nine eleven after nine eleven you couldn't even go to a restaurant and even think about paying for your own meal, right? And now you just want you just hoping nobody spit in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's, it's and I guess I don't know how, how, if you have. I'm pretty much assuming that you were probably uh, a cop like I was and uh, or still am, and I hear a lot of this stuff on the news and. That really, it, it really makes me so mad and stuff like that. Or, or, or I see people's comments, and it's really hard. People don't realize how hard it is for me not to make comments on other comments because I would start a shit storm probably, and <laughs> you wouldn't believe. But it's, uh, I guess it's, it's I, I see all these people make these comments. So this cops, the, the, these cops out here, you know, planting evidence or setting people up, or they pulled me over for no reason, and then. I'm sure that that does happen and exist. It's hard for me because I've never, in almost 30 years, I've I've never been that cop and refused to be that cop. Absolutely. Yeah. There's dignity and you value your career and and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff as well. I get it. I, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like when this, when this stuff all happens and these blanketed statements come out, I'm like, no, like quite the opposite. Me, so many people I've worked with, you can't call us these names. You can't accuse us of these things. We've never even been close. We value our work. We value the career. We value doing well. Like all these good intentions, they're not a big lie. I just don't get it. And I see the comments I get on my YouTube channel. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't reply because I've got, I've got to put my energy on helping cops. And if I'm taking time to answer the haters who are going to be haters regardless, because Deep down, I believe they're just miserable with their life, so they got to take it out on us. Uh, I mean, or uh, they still live with their parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down in the basement, yeah, keyboard warriors. <laughs> it, it, like I said, it's hard for me. I've never. I no, I'm not saying. Hey, I'm far from ever being a perfect. There's nobody perfect anyway. I'm far. No, from we're being all going to make mistakes. We're human. A perfect cop. Now, have I been? You know, I haven't been a perfect cop. Have Have I been rude to people? Yeah, I have. Yeah. If if I if I probably if I cussed at some people uh, on several more than several occasions, yes. Uh, uh, like I said, have I ever arrested somebody just because they they made me mad? Uh, no. I mean, you'd have to have 
everybody I've arrested has actually broken a law. Maybe it was yep. a stupid little piss ant law. Yeah. Am I like that now? No, that was early in my career. But I, I never I never went out and, and even in my young times intentionally or even tried to violate anybody's constitutional right or hurt somebody just to hurt them. You know, I've been in some, some hellacious battles, we'll call them, and, uh, you know, where basically, you know, it was either they were going to hurt me real bad or I was going to hurt them real bad. Yeah. And I've always actually been knock on wood, been lucky I've come out on top. Okay. <laughs> Good. But it's just, it's, uh, like I said, it, I guess, I don't know. I mean, it's really frustrating when you see all that negativity coming at the profession that, you know, I obviously love that I've, you know, almost had 30 years in it. And it, it just, it, it you know, it kind of hurts your heart and it, it makes you mad at the same time. It makes, it makes you very furious, but at the same time, when, when you, when you are able to take a deep breath and realize that the opinions of others do not outweigh the good deeds that you're doing and the oath you took and, and, and the person that you really are. And then well, I'm trying to think of a saying I, I would, I would, when I was worked as a school resource officer for a little bit, I would tell the kids, cause I mean, God, when we get some bad when people would say something about them, I'd say, I'd say is someone else's opinion about is more important than you, uh, like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember the statement. It, basically it was like, what's more important, someone's opinion about you or what you know about you. And I think unfortunately we can get so distracted with the news and the haters. And I even talk about this in my course when I taught at police departments and conferences, like we have to limit our exposure to platforms. We have to limit our exposure to the news because you might not think it's taking a toll on you, but if you go like two, three days without looking at social media or the news, you'd be surprised how much your brain feels a lot better. You really would. So you and, uh, I, you I don't ever hear too many people say you a hundred percent on a dot there, right there is because, mm. well, if y'all, my people listen to stuff. I, we have the, I do the midweek news and stuff like that. I, I, I probably spend, you know, anywhere between 10 or over 10 hours a week just reading looking and watching and doing all of this stuff and every now and then i just get it feels like i'm just getting burnt out yeah exactly it's like i'll take a day or two off where i try not to watch or listen to anything it's hard for me but uh yeah it's just because it's like it's just all it's everything is negative yeah the job and you got to consider that you're exposed to the negativity on social media and the news, which they obviously do that because our brains, what I learned after my mental health struggles was that our brains are more inclined naturally to look for the negative all in an effort to protect us. Like you don't have to work on being negative. Your brain will do it for you. It's all the more reason you have to work on surrounding yourself with positive people or uh, taking care of yourself and doing positive things for yourself. Cause the negative can just, can just, suck you in but we also have to be careful within the four walls of the department or the sheriff's office where there you come in in a good mood and there will be officers that pull you right down with them because they're so negative i'm not saying i'm perfect by any means i mean i i I gripe to complain just like many other people but i but at least i didn't stay there some just stay there and they want to bring everyone down with them you got to be careful of that negativity and toxicity as well because we are what our brains are exposed to. And if we're around negativity via the media and negativity at work, and then the negativity we're exposed to in the public, that's just too much if you're not actively coping with it. Yes, you do have uh, other cops that are – and some people y'all, people out there probably just have friends there. Like it. every time you, you see them, they they're, they're all they do is have complaints about everything. Yeah. And I know, I know a couple of people like that. I know one in particular that popped in my head. I don't like being around this person. They, 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 they are constantly negative. You could go to lunch with them, and they're going to. You can. I can guarantee you, they'll complain about something on their plate. It's and, like, and you could hand them. You could hand them a million dollars. They'd be happy. It's not uh, it's two million dollars. Or a mi- <laughs> it's not a million and one. It, it's just. <laughs> it's it's and I, I just. I don't like. I say I got to deal with negative stuff at work because, be honest, they they don't call law enforcement to calls because something good's happening. Correct. 
<laughs> you don't yep. you don't yep. get called to the house because little Jimmy's having a birthday party. You get called to the house because <laughs> little Jimmy's having a birthday party, and two of the parents got in a fist fight or something. Now, yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't get when when our radio cracks open. It's not, it's not good news. No, it, it is not. And I, throughout my career, I would go to these things time after time, this negativity or the traumatic stuff or the, or the dangerous moments that I survived. And, and I just wouldn't actively cope. I thought to myself, oh, you know, I go to the gym. I go to church with my family. I have friends outside of the job. I'm good. But little did I know that, or little did I really put an emphasis on the fact that we as people, if we settle and we get into not necessarily routines, but if we just think we're okay and we don't, uh, if we if we don't take awareness of what's going on inside of us and are not honest with ourselves, then then we then it can lead to problems. And I'm speaking from experience on that. Basically, some of these some of these calls, you know, like you said, Ice Man, nobody gets called because because Johnny's having a birthday party at his house and they want the police there. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of these calls would go over and over and over again in my head. And I just thought, well, no big deal. I'll, I'll just work out. And, but little did I know it, it was forming post-traumatic stress and it was forming depression and a battle and an addiction. And I know other cops have battled the same thing. Uh, so it's really something we have to take care of and, and, and address. Like we are human bottom line. We're human. The, I think a lot of problem in law enforcement is, uh, you still got that stigma. Uh, if you report it and stuff like that, are they going to pull me off the street? Are they going to take my gun away from me? Are they going? I think it's getting better, but you still got that that stigma yeah, with I, it. So you got I, a lot. I think it's getting better. It's getting better, but you still got a lot. You got a lot. You got a lot of uh, uh, cops out there that they they're going to suffer from it, and not say a word because. And it depends on which department you with too, because some of the departments will be better at it than others. Hundred percent. And what I did was I felt that stigma. Uh, now I can't speak for everybody, but my story, my experience was that I got care on my own, and I never even told anyone about it. And they, through HIPAA laws and all that, I, my department never found out, uh, and it was worth the investment. Oh yeah, well, it's a good chance if they, if they would have, they might have like stuck you on a desk or something, or worse. Uh, I have a friend from, from a long time ago. He's he's still in law enforcement, but he was having some uh, between work wise, he was having some marriage problems and all of this stuff. Well, he was having a, a they they put him on on a little. He went and at least he went and said something, right? And they put him on. Uh, leave for a little bit he was getting paid but they were just like go get some help we just don't want you working right now you know and uh do you know uh the whole he was off for i don't know a month or so you know i was the only one that reached out and actually talked to him and would you know visit because basically it was almost like he had the plague at that point yeah and that's what that's what ticks me off because I've heard the analogy before, and I think it's very accurate, where if someone goes to a gym and they hire a, a, a physical trainer, it's, hey, good job, that's great, man, let me know how it goes. Someone goes and gets some mental health treatment to, to, to work on that muscle in our head called the brain, and all of a sudden it's like, well, what's their problem? Let me stay away, or, or we can't trust that person anymore. You know, that, that kind of thing. Oh, it's, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Just like I've mentioned in my, some of my past episodes. Like, and like I said, I don't try to blow it up out of proportion or take it how people want to take it. Uh, like when they say the, the blue family or the thin blue line, that the thin blue line is extremely thin. Mm-hmm. Once you, uh, even after you, you can retire on good standings or move departments or you do this, you do that. Then people, I mean, you still kind of, you're still friends with some people and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, some, you know, people you might have thought were some really, really, really good friends and, oh, no. you know, that they're just basically, I mean, you're lucky if they'll call you back when you leave a message. Yeah. Hey, that's another thing I like to tell officers. I, 
let's be honest, some of them feel hostage to one, the retirement package two, the department where they are, their loyalty is the department. I'm like, well, one, you can plan for your own retirement. Like seriously, if the job is killing you inside, it's not worth your health. Uh, you can plan for your own retirement. And I, and I'm honest like that. And then two, uh, the department, they, they will go on without you. Like the next day, someone will get issued your, issued your gear. Someone will get yeah. issued your police car. Just, they will not think twice. Like it's a business. They will move on without yeah. you. It's not worth killing yourself over. I've made that comment in some past episodes. Uh, cause even when I was FTO and I tell some of these guys, they were like, Oh, you know, this and I'm like, let me explain something to you. I said, I've been doing this long enough. They will tell you we this big happy family that we're this, that we're that. And, and by, at the end of the day, and, I'm not bashing no departments or nothing like that. I'm just saying, you know, because, you know, you got some departments that care about their people more than other departments. But you Correct. have some departments that tell you, you know, how much part of you are the family. And I tell everybody, don't fall for it. You are in number. If your bash number is, let's say, 12 or 112, it don't matter. Whatever your badge number is, guess what? If you quit and walked out the door, the next day or two, somebody else is going to have that number. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to retire that number. They're not going to go, oh, my God, Joe, Bob, quit. We're going to have to shut this whole department down. Let me tell you what. They're going to, you know, it's going to be like you never existed there, and it's going to keep ticking along, and it's going to keep doing its thing. And everybody's like, oh, I just want to, you know, when I retire, I want to have made a name for myself. You know what? Five years after you retire, I don't care if you were the greatest cop that department ever saw. Five years after you retire, people, you're still being mentioned every now and then. Ten years after you retire, damn near every cop on the road except maybe a very select few even know your name or who you were. Yep. Okay, so you, and I've said before, you know, I've seen guys do it. They dedicate, Mm -hmm. they sacrifice family. They've sacrificed time for the job, 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 job. I'm like, it's a job. Do I love it? Oh, yeah, I love it. I love my job. And I was one of them guys when I first started, you know. Shit, they called something extra. I was on it. Right. Yeah. You know, it didn't matter. You know, you need volunteers for something. I'm on. No. The job's going to be there if you're not. It's it's always going to be there. Uh, don't exactly stop sacrificing your family and your wife and your kids and your parents and grandparents. And I made that mistake uh, when I worked canine. I that was me. Like I got so wrapped up in that job, I people would meet me and they'd say, "Well, what do you do?" I I wouldn't say I work I work at such and such department and I'm assigned to the canine unit. I said I am a canine officer, mm-hmm. and I let it I let it not be I let it. Uh, the identity basically hinder me from being present to my, to my wife and our, at the time, our newborn son. And it, it, my wife got to a point where she was like, it's either me or the job. And I said, Oh my gosh, I've become the husband. I swore I'd never be. And I became a person I didn't want to be. And I had to resign from it. And I was lost because I got so wrapped up in that job. I thought that's who I was. And it was never who I was the whole time. It was just what I did. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that law enforcement's not a calling. It's not a passion. Of course it is. But when it comes down to it, it, it is a job. And that just can't be said enough. I know a lot of us are saying that now, but it, it can't be said enough because there's still so many cops that just get so wrapped up in it and will literally work themselves to death, offer a job that will continue, offer a department that will continue long after they're gone. I mean, just like you said, the day after. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I was I struggle, you know, I'm coming up. I got three years left and I retire. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and, and I'm, I'm guilty. I don't say I, I, I'm assigned to the motor division. It's like, no, I'm, a, I am a motor cop, you know? Right. I've been on a motorcycle for, you know, 20 years of my career, which, you know, there ain't a whole bunch of us out there in law enforcement that do that, that amount of time on bikes. Yeah, sure. You know, you know, I, I still, I mean, I talked, I've talked about it several times on other episodes. It's like I, I, one of them I called the episode, how do you turn it off? Cause I'm talking about, you know, the closer I get to retirement, it's like, okay, when I retire, I'm going to be a civilian again. Mm-hmm. How do I 
how do I be a civilian? How do you turn off being a cop? So, I mean, it's I don't even enjoy riding my personal motorcycle anymore, and I barely ever do because of what I do for a living. Because I'm going down the road with my wife or something on the back. We're trying to enjoy a nice spring day or whatever and go, you know, ride somewhere and go eat. Cars are coming, you know, cars coming. I mean, I'm looking down from my radar to see how fast they're going. Yep. And stuff. I mean, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, so, I mean, so, like I said, my thing is, is I've asked several times, how, do, how, do, how am I supposed to turn it off? I'm going to have to transition from, you know, me being this person in law enforcement and stuff like that. And, I'm trying to work on it now. It's like, I am not the badge. The badge is not me. Oh, yeah. Well, well you know, put. Stuff like that. It's like, and it's like, so I'm still trying to figure out because I got some fun, you know, I mean, it's kind of scary for me in this next three years of me when I do retire because I do plan on retiring. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I've seen it too many times. These guys, they like, oh no, another year, another year. Next thing you, they end down 35 years, 36 years, and they end up dying on a job of a heart attack or something. I want to be able to enjoy (laughs) what I worked for. Yeah, yeah, very true. Just speaking from the seven months I've been out of it, I've really had to focus on things I enjoy doing and, and ways like communication. Communication skills. I really enjoyed on the job being able to talk to vast amount of different kinds of people and just being around people. Well, when I got out of law enforcement and I knew it was going to work better for my family with me out of it, I said, wait a minute, I'm still not done. I got to do something. So I thought, what do I like to do? Who am I? And and I am someone who likes to communicate with a lot of different kinds of people. Well, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm being on podcasts. I've got my YouTube channel, I'm interviewing and I'm interacting with people in the comments section and I'm out at these law enforcement conferences. Obviously it's people in the same career field, but it's different people personality wise. So you got to really focus on who you are, what talents you have, what skills you can focus on and what, what still drives you. And, and ultimately what drives a lot of police officers is being of service. And there's a lot of different ways you can be of service to others. And if, and if you're doing that, I mean, it literally scientifically releases serotonin in your brain, which is, which is, or, or releases uh, serotonin in your body, which is a feel good chemical that actually helps, uh, helps your health. I mean, that, that's where I learned like, like down to the detail of it, of being of service to others. Yeah. Like I said, I got the, my podcast stuff and, you know, it's like we kind of talked about before we start recording. This isn't, I'm lucky enough. My podcast right now is not a business for me. And even when I retire, if I start making enough money, whatever, it's great. But at least I'm fortunate enough. I don't have to worry about it as my source of income. I got some Patreons and stuff like that. And I, Love them because they're helping me with my overhead costs because it's not just free. And right. if you're doing it, you you know, I mean, I have in the past two and a half, three years, I mean, I have thousands of dollars worth of equipment. I, I pay for different services and stuff that I use and everything else. So, but I'm lucky yeah. enough where it, it's not how I pay my bills. Even when I retire, I still have my retire, 100% retirement. So. I plan on keep doing it regardless because this is kind of my outlet now. Exactly. Uh, and hopefully, exactly. I hope by the time I retire, I'm big enough. And I keep growing every month a little bit here, a little bit there, you know. Do I expect to be worldwide famous one day? No. No, I don't expect that. And if it happened, hey, great. But because uh, yeah. I already joke around enough because, I mean, you know, I joke around a lot. It's like my wife tells me I'm stupid because – like I said, we were in Walmart one time. I said, hey, come take a picture. She's like, well, I said, I found some. Uh, they got some fans in here. I want to take some picture with my fans. And I go over there, and she's like, God, you're so stupid. Because there was a big display of the, the box fans in Walmart. <laughs> and I went and stood and put my hand on I said, these are my fans. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I, that is, that is great. <laughs> I do stuff like that. You know, I was in Home Depot and she was like, I'm like, here, take a picture. She's like, oh my God, what are you so stupid? I said, I said, now I, I sent it up. I said, hey, look, I, I met a stripper in, in Home Depot and took a picture of it. And it was a can of premium stripper. And <laughs> it was like, I mean, this was the expensive stripper right here. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of who I am. And that's like, you know, 
do I want to be famous? I don't even know if I'd want to be famous. Do I like making people laugh, entertaining people? Yeah. Well, I just read a, a, a Twitter feed, a good one, not not an act, not like a waste of my time one about uh, Jerry Seinfeld's road to success, and he had this attitude when he first got started of not expecting anything, not really caring if something went a certain way, just putting in the time, putting in the fun, putting in the effort like you're doing, and, and then look what happened to him. Now, I know that, you know, obviously that's a whole new level, but those basic concepts can apply to all of us. Just have fun with If you're doing something that is of interest to you, you have skills in, then you know the phrase. I mean, does it really work? Yeah. So, uh, and uh, no, I mean, that, that's great. Yeah, the few episodes I listened to when you invited me on, I said, well, let me check this podcast out. My gosh, I was laughing hard. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Uh, but I guess that's kind of my outlet, you know, um, like you say, talking about the traumatic stress and stuff. I've been in some uh I've been in some scenes and have to work stuff and have seen a lot of stuff that like I said people shouldn't be seeing as much as I've seen or had to deal with. Yeah. And uh it's like you know, you know, what do you do with it? <laughs> you know, I'm lucky enough where I mean every now and then, you know, my wife said I'll be talking in my sleep or something like that. It's not as bad as it used to be, uh she'd tell you. Uh, I have an ex-wife of mine. She woke up screaming because obviously in my sleep, I must have been arresting somebody who was resisting. And I woke right. up and I had, I was on top of her and I had her in a straight arm bar pinned down on the bed screaming, stop resisting. I was dead asleep. Dang. So uh, thank God I, I don't do that anymore. But uh, it's just, you don't know what your subconsciousness is going in your head when you're sleeping. You're right. And if you don't get enough sleep, then that subconscious, uh, our brain doesn't have, I'm no, I'm no neurologist by any means. So this is, I'm just explaining what I've learned. Like when I was uh, researching for my first book, uh, Mental Health Fighting the Heroes in Blue, uh, I, I, I was learning about kind of how our brain operates innately. And it... <laughs> basically comes down to the things we're exposed to in law enforcement. Just like you said, Iceman, that we're not, that nobody should see. Yeah. We're the ones that see it. Uh, the brain tries to make sense of it and it plays it over and over again to try to reason with it, make sense of it all in an effort to protect us so that the next time we encounter it, maybe we can react a little bit differently or we'll know what to expect. But basically when those thoughts, uh, go on and on, basically your thoughts, lead to your emotions and your emotions lead to your actions and actions lead to results. So it's very important that if you're, if, if the majority of your thoughts, you may not even know it. It just might be a habit to have those thoughts of the negative things you've seen go on and on and on. And I had to get treated for this mainly for an incident in Iraq uh, before I got into law enforcement. Uh, yeah, it can, it can basically, you can form a personality based on traumatic events. In the short, in the short of it, and and uh, my initial point was, if you don't get enough sleep, your brain doesn't have time to detoxify the the the, the cynicism, the negativity, and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's really a bad recipe for disaster if if someone's not careful. And none of us are immune to it. I got treated for it, and, and all cops across the country. I, I would just encourage them: please don't ever just settle for I'm fine, and be honest with yourself because. We, just like you said, we see things the human brain never, ever wants to see. Yeah, we see it on, uh, and, you, and you see a lot more of it than, you know, the regular civilian out there sees. I mean, people see car accidents. They may see somebody that got, you know, murdered or something like that, but you don't see the amount of it. Correct. And I think it's a, a civilian in their lifetime. Don't quote me on these numbers exactly, but I think maybe five traumatic incidents, uh, and the CDC says that 70% of adults in America will experience at least one traumatic incident, but cops throughout a, at least a 20-year career, oh gosh, uh, I think the number I read was at least 300, uh, at least, uh, traumatic incidents. Uh, so, so just to say that, so, but that brings me up, like, 
my opinion of how can someone like whether it be the administration or just fellow cops, you see 300 uh, traumatic incidents at least throughout your career. How can you be blamed for wanting to seek some mental assistance, me mental health professional assistance, brain health professional assistance? How could you be judged for that? I can't stand the stigma. It's got to go. Oh, oh, I agree with you. But it just seems like it's like, I don't know. It's, I, sometimes I think the general public, uh, not everybody, but I think there's a big thing. It's like, we're not, we're not robots. We're, exactly we're, we're, we're human we're flesh and blood just like anybody else we just chose a career that don't pay a whole lot and put you in danger and get up and you go do it. like i said so when he, you said earlier law enforcement's a calling yes yeah, a calling because uh i don't think there's i mean they might have a few but i don't know many people are getting law enforcement because of the money <laughs> right, and I, I did know one that got into it for for a, a job. It just looked neat. Uh, that person didn't last. No, they won't. Yeah, it's just like so. If my the the woman that taught my academy, and I've said this before, but uh, on first day academy, there was I think there was I don't know seventy or eighty of us in there. She said, "I can." She's like, cops are not trained. They're born. Either you're born to do this job or you're not. And, you know, we're going to lose people during the academy. And she says probably half this class won't won't be here in 15 years. They've quit and moved on. She's like, I can train you and teach you and stuff like that. But I, she said, cops are born. You're born to do this or you're not. And I, it's always stuck with me. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, or, interesting. Or, or we we just all have mental issues and <laughs> decided to do this for a living. Yeah. It's like, that's <laughs> when I'm going to put a gun on and go to work. It's, but yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen and had to do things and all the stuff like that. It's like, you know, that, that you don't want to see. I went to college to be a mortician. I stopped doing it because, uh, where I worked at a time, I just got tired of embalming little babies. I mean, oh yeah, wow, I, yeah. So I, I ended up quit doing that and ended up being in law enforcement, which I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I love it. And uh, I, my mom said she was hoping I'd have grew out of grew out of it, but I never did, I guess. But uh, unfortunately, I still have to deal with little dead babies. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, no, you're right, yeah. And other stuff, and uh, I said that what aggravates me is I see uh, when you see on the news, you'll see oh, oh look, them cops are sitting over there, you know, joking and laughing and stuff, and they got two dead people laying over there. Well, yeah, because if they don't, you don't, they they probably they might be talking about the the crackhead they saw down at the local stop and rob earlier that day. Pretty sure they're not laughing about the person laying there dead. I know. Tell me about it. Yeah. The problem is, is how do you know that's not the first dead body they've seen all day? How do you know they haven't been to several of them scenes? You see enough of this yeah. crap and not being cold, they're not being malice or nothing like that. That's just a way of almost almost like a coping mechanism because you yeah. see so much death and dismemberment and I mean all this stuff. Like, I mean, you know, y'all just say, oh, somebody got killed in a car accident. Well, the civilian wasn't there when they pulled them out, and their leg was only hanging on by you know a couple strands of meat or a tendon or something like that, and right. and stuff like that. Y'all don't see that, so it's just no. Like, it, the, no, they they don't. And yeah. I get the comments on YouTube, and they just say like, "You just sit around and write tickets. That's all you do." I'm like, "Wow, people!" I, but you know they're. they're what I, what I like to tell people, and I've had, I've been on podcasts before where I've had open conversation because they didn't exactly agree with the police. And, but I tell them, I said, go on a ride along. If you can go on the dang ride along Friday or Saturday night is better. Go on a dang ride along, get firsthand perspective as to what goes on. And, and, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen on YouTube, there was a, an activist, uh, who actually went to his, his local department and they ran him through scenarios and he ended up 
using force in both scenarios, yeah. shooting unarmed people. Yeah, I saw that one, dude. They, I think they did that uh-huh. they with activists and a reporter. It, 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 yeah, and, and and both of them were like, oh, my gosh. And they both and shot. their perspective was changed forever. They both shot a guy with a cell phone in his hand. <laughs> and, their, and their perspective was changed forever. Yep. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, more people need to go through that. So I tell people, like, go to your Citizens Police Academy or do a ride-along. Do something like that because, my gosh, just the, the – the, People are so naive when they say stuff like, it's just so easy to be a cop. Well, if it's so easy, why are you not doing yep. it? Why don't you shoot them in the leg? Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, you know. I was like, really? Oh, no, I know. Why, just, why, did, why didn't they shoot the gun out of his hand? Obviously, this is coming for somebody who's probably never fired a firearm in their entire life. Hey. <laughs> yeah, but by golly, you should have shot that gun out of there. <laughs> yeah, and be careful with them dangerous nine millimeters. They'll blow your lung right out your back. <laughs> Golly! Uh, oh yeah! Oh man! <laughs> I said when I heard that, I was like, I was like, I must be carrying. I've carried a nine millimeter before, and I must. I mean, they must have redid them. <laughs> and then the comment was made that you know, well, well, if you get shot with a twenty-two, they can go in and get it out. And I'm like. Obviously, their writers don't know what the hell they're talking about. I'd rather get shot by that nine millimeter than shot by that twenty-two. A hundred percent, any day. Because <laughs> that twenty, day. you can get shot in the ankle with that twenty-two, and it might come out your throat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because twenty-two is like yeah, twenty-two is like to. I watched a, a video. I remember this was probably twenty years ago. It was a training video. A state trooper, I don't remember which state it was, and you might have seen it in the training video. South Carolina. Yeah. yeah. He got trooper shot with coach. a yep. got shot with a twenty two and it showed him it went on the side of his vest or something. It showed him yep. walking he walked around the side of his car and just dropped dead right there. Yeah. I such a horrible video to watch. Yeah, that was Trooper Coates back in nineteen ninety one. I saw that video numerous times. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that's just stuck in my head. So when certain people uh, talk about weapons and stuff like that. Or you got the people on the internet, and they're like, "Oh, well, you could done this." Have, have you ever fired a gun before? And if you have, have you ever shot at something moving? Well, there was that reporter maybe several years ago. Well, maybe less than ten years ago, I think he did shoot that AR. It gave him post traumatic stress disorder <laughs> from from one bullet. <laughs> he shot one yeah, round. He wrote some- he wrote some article in the New York, either New York Times, New York Post, something like that. It went viral, and of course, a lot of gun gun operators were, and gun manufacturers and a bunch of content creators on YouTube that are pro Second Amendment. They were all making fun of him because he just complained about how tra- how tragic it was and how loud it was to shoot that AR-15. <laughs> I shot that one bullet that one time. Well, that's why I said uh, I hear all this stuff on on. TV and all stuff when they're talking about when these uh, you know people that want to take our guns and stuff away. It's like, oh, all these kids are getting hold of guns and they're doing this and they're doing that. Let me explain something to you. And I've said it before. Uh, it's all about the parenting and growing up. I've been around guns since I was can remember. Hell, I got got my first shotgun when I was like eight years old. Right. I was taught the proper way to use guns that guns are not toys and this and that you know what never i think kids that grow up my kids my kids when they were young because i've been a cop you know their whole life they knew what a real gun was and that that wasn't a toy i didn't Mm -hmm. go home and you know i didn't leave it laying around but you know, I had a hook and stuff in my room. I didn't lock it in a safe and all this stuff. My kids do. You, they, they would see my gun belt and walk around it on purpose because they knew they wasn't allowed to touch it. Right. It's all about raising your kids correctly. It's not the gun's yeah. fault. Like I said, oh. I can I can put a gun. I got a gun actually laying on my uh, studio table right here. I think I had taken it out of my pocket, uh, one of my carry alongs, and that that gun is sitting on that table. That gun can sit at that table right in that same spot for 10 years. It's not going to hurt one person. Yep. People hurt people. <laughs> yes. And it's just like, I don't I don't understand them. The, the, the people hollering about guns have never shot a gun. 
No, I get it. And the the big scary AR, the big scary AR. Yeah, no, I I get it. No, wait, man, that's a whole other episode. We we could make on that one. <laughs> it's like I I don't know. I guess well, you from kind of I mean I'm born and raised in you know s- South Louisiana. You know I mean I've been hunting and fishing and shooting stuff since I was you know old enough to do it. My first little pellet gun, BB gun, you know. <laughs> right. Well, I, I I was blessed to have a a dad who. I think I was 10 years old. He, he took me out to shoot his little pocket revolver and he said, come on. He said, you, you got to learn these the, the guns are not, you know, a problem. You just have to use it correctly and, and all that. And then, uh, oh gosh, my, uh, um, another family member of mine was a, was an attorney and long time ago. And I don't know how it worked back then, but he ended up, uh, uh, getting like, and a bunch of weapons because of it. I don't know if like the court was like, well, evidence can be disposed of. And he said, Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, like a whole, a whole arsenal of shotguns and rifles. And I, I would, I would go to this family member's house and I would just see these things as a kid. And it just became normal because I was taught right. That it's the person. It's not those. Yeah. Uh, well, it's very important. No, we're twelve years old, and uh, me and my buddy stuff. We go play in the woods all day, like wood wood. Well, we'd all grab our shotguns and stuff when we went out because you know if you come across a snake or anything else, you know. And you, right. you know, mom's like, "Where are you? Where, where are y'all going? We're going out in the woods to play." All right, remember that y'all don't shoot each other now. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that that's the talk we got we, we got 14 and 20 gauges so, all right remember don't shoot each other <laughs> <laughs> it's like we we never did shoot each other so. yeah i'm talking to you <laughs> yeah so it's like but it's like it's just a whole different times i guess now people are like 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 Somebody said something to one of my grandkids. Oh, you letting your grandson ride a bicycle with no helmet on? Well, yeah, he looks stupid with that helmet on. Why would I put a helmet on? <laughs> what happened if he falls? I said he'll hit his head. Then we'll pick him up and put him back on the bicycle. I mean, we didn't wear helmets. We made hell. I, I'm fifty. I'm with fifty-two. We used to ride in the back glass up against the glass in the car going down the road. <laughs> I mean, I was like 12 and rode to the Mississippi in the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah like, I get it. Uh, de- definitely, uh, definitely different times. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, I'm, you know, driving tractors and stuff, you know, and you know, we thought fun was like who could jump on the back of the bull in the pasture and hang on a <laughs> long. <laughs> Hey, you see that big old hog over there? Yep. Watch this. <laughs> yep, you're going to get in trouble now. you all muddy. Mama's going to be mad. That's hilarious. I mean, that's just the way. I mean, that's what we did. We had, I mean, we played outside. I mean, yeah. we can't come along, you know, you went outside. Your mom would, she would holler, you know, she'd put, put she'd put some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches out on a picnic table to let you go eat. You know, it was time mm-hmm. to come home when, because all you do, you'd hear, you know, your mom would scream your name out the back door, and it's like, oh, it's time to come home. Or hell, sometimes yeah. we'd just pop a tent. We'd tell them we're going camping, and we'd be out in the woods in a tent. That's <laughs> like, okay. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. My mom always said, we lived in a neighborhood, so she always said, if those street lights come on, you better be getting home very shortly after. Oh, there was no such word where I grew up. I live on the property I grew up on. Now, of course, now. 50 years later, there's I'm getting surrounded by subdivisions and all that stuff like that. Uh, uh, yeah, true. Yeah. I got five acres. They can't get right on top of me, but I, I used to be able to walk outside up till eight, nine years ago, and I could walk outside my backyard and target practice all day long because there was right. just hundreds of acres behind me. That was nothing but woods. Not no more. Now I walk out my back door and I see roof line. Uh, yeah. It's just it's 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 not like it used to be. But like I said we would just go out and I mean that's what we did. We grew up 
with woods and wildlife and you know you know it's like be careful i mean because if you we, we jumped a bobcat one time in the woods and you know climbed up a tree you don't want to go under that tree because they could come down <laughs> and get you so it's just like i mean it's just i don't know kids today it's more technology and get to, they need to get their phones out of their faces <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, you know, you're right. They do. When, when I worked in the schools as a school resource officer, I worked at a middle school that was very busy, uh, busier than I ever thought. I was like, my first week there, I was like, I'll never make fun of the SROs again. Oh, no. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Some, of them, some of them got cake jobs. There. It's easy. But I, the, the, I couldn't believe how busy I was. But uh, so I worked middle school, high school, and then an alternative school. And fortunately, at the alternative school, the kids weren't allowed to have their phones. Oh, gosh, such a blessing. But the, the middle school and the high school where I worked and they were allowed to have their phones. The, the amount of cases I had to start investigating on with the nude pictures and all that kind of stuff, it was nauseating. And I mean, they just, they would just send these pictures all over and they'd go viral around the school. And it was just, it, it was, they were looking at each other as objects, not all the kids, but some of them in their minds, like viewing themselves as just objects. And then viewing others is just, I mean, the disrespect was unbelievable. And they could just share all this information with each other. And someone would come into school, like, exhausted. And I'm like, what do you, what, why are you so tired right now? What do you have to worry about? And, when I, and uh, most of the answers were, I was up late at night. I, I slept in, I, I finally went to bed around three or four. And, and I was like, you're on your phone, weren't you? And they say, yeah, I was on my phone. I mean, it just, it's bad. Oh yeah, well, I but recently I've had to uh, fill in for some SRO. Uh, SRO we got it's at a is that more one of like a, a magnet type school, but it's kindergarten through high school. Oh okay, gotcha. So, so this this school is is big. I mean, right when I when I got there, the first thing I did was I, I walked the in, interior of the school and I check all the exterior doors to make sure they're not, they're locked and not propped open, you know? Yep. Yep. Well, that takes me almost an hour to walk and check all the, these doors. <laughs> this, yeah. That's how big this school <laughs> is. And, uh, yeah. I was just there this, uh, this past Friday, uh, I had to cover, you know, you know, teacher called me fifth grade class, you know, Two kids got in an argument. A little girl saying he tried to trip me, and so she turned around and punched the kid in the shoulder. Well, the boy, who's all of you know, he's bigger than the teacher in the fifth grade. He's sitting there boohooing. At first, I thought it was a girl. When I was in school, boys were not allowed to have long hair like that. Right. And this this kid's hair was past his shoulders. I'm like. And but anyway, I, I had to. I looked. I finally looked at the. I said, "How old are you, boy?" I forget twelve or whatever. I said, "You're too old to be." I said, "Get up." I said, "Don't make me pick you up and carry you out here. You're too big for that." Finally, I got up just to walk down there so the principal could even just discuss the situation with him. Mm-hmm. It's like, stop being a teddy baby. You got hit in the shoulder by a girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, uh, but these kids, like I said, with the cell phones, I think I don't know why. I mean, personally, I don't see why they are allowed to bring their school phones to school. That's what I'm saying. It just it never made sense to me. They don't need it. Nope. They don't. Nope. But they. I mean, they, I mean, like I said, uh, this was Friday. This this past Friday, so it's right before Thanksgiving break. So you know, they're not doing nothing at the school. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's like, what? So it was just like parties all over the place. And uh, it's just all these kids, you know, they're dancing and, and doing this and doing that. And they're all taking pictures of each other. And these, with these kids, well, my main thing is I'm going to ramble. We had a case recently. I didn't work it. But uh, this little girl, I guess junior high, high school, uh, took some, I guess, uh, some nudie pictures of herself. Mm-hmm. And sent it to her. I think it was in high school, but you know, then she she sent them to her, what she thought was the love of her life, her boyfriend. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I've, I've run into that situation. So, what does boyfriend do? Being a high school kid, <laughs> I'm going to show all my friends 
these naked pictures. Yeah. With the, I, I, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. This little girl, which she don't realize, because that, that first they were like, oh, my God, he's doing this, doing that. I'm like, first of all, that's not the issue. The issue is, is this little girl sent naked pictures of herself, and she's 15 years old. So she just produced and distributed child pornography. That's what people don't – well, not not saying like all people, but that's that's what's not understood. Like, I, I get it that the boy did wrong, but let's remember – how it started, and there was a crime prior to him showing everyone else. Then he committed the crime by receiving it and possessing the child pornography. And then mm-hmm. all the people that he sent shared it with have received child pornography. So you're yep. looking at, you know, 30 felons. <laughs> I mean, these kids just don't. Of course, mom and dad were up there, you know, hooping and hollering because, you know, this boy was you know sending pictures of their first of all how did he get the naked pictures of the girl and then it got real quiet when she uh the parents found out it's like well you do realize where she your daughter can be charged with exactly with, with porn child pornography and you're like what well yes yeah, she took pictures even though of herself and sent them to somebody and she's underage that's production of child pornography and they're like yeah the whole situation changes then when they realize that, yeah, the boy is completely wrong for doing it, but the whole situation wouldn't have started if she wouldn't have took the pictures in the first place. Exactly. And I always hated having those conversations with parents anyway, because I mean, it was just so awkward. Uh, like, you know, the, the, the daughter or the son would be right there and there's the, <laughs> there's the parents. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so weird. Like why, why? I hate that this is me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've, you'll never. I used to pick on, you know, SROs and call them the lollipop cops and stuff like that. And, uh, until I recently have gotten tasked with covering a school. Yeah. Uh, to fill in when somebody is sick. And I kind of uh, screwed myself in that situation. Uh, uh, well, well, they sent me over there to to cover and I had a situation with a with a kid and his grandpa ended up coming over he's got custody well I don't know why he left me alone in this room while I'm waiting with this kid well I'm a natural talker well they come back in the principal's never said that by the time the grandpa got in there I that the kid talking to the grandpa grandpa and kid were both crying I had one of the principals were crying emotionally and <laughs> ever since then every time they need fill in guess who they request you <laughs> yeah i'm like it's like you know i always say do the best job you can and you're gonna screw yourself <laughs> but no i was yeah you did such a good job now <laughs> but it's uh sros i mean it depended on like i said they got some schools i guess if you like work at an elementary school you're not gonna be that bad but um some of these sros i wouldn't want that job full-time we got one of our high schools there it's not the you know this get this guy. They got actually got two at this school, and these guys work. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can you can be very very busy. <laughs> I was so shocked at how busy a school resource officer could be, and uh, I can't I can't stand it when the, the loud people, uh, you know, which are not the majority, thank goodness, but unfortunately their their voice gets out. Uh, more than others, uh, when they're calling for ending SROs in schools, that's one of the, that'd be the biggest mistake we can make. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, my thing was when they called, sorry, right, can you go down here? They got this kid doing this. I'm always telling myself, do not body slam the child unless it's 150% necessary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do not, you don't want to be on video. You don't want to be one of them cops on video to see throwing a kid across the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, no, it's a kind of like me. And that it takes a special breed to be a SRO, especially at one of them uh, busier schools. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, there, there were times when I had to use force on like middle schoolers, separate fights or whatever. And I, I hated it because I, I was just, I mean, they're kids. It just it would go from several years on patrol and dealing with adults to grabbing two kids and trying to keep them from hurting each other. 
And, uh, but yet at the same time, they're trying to fight through me to get back to each other. I'm like, gosh, dang it. Now I got to actually use force on kids. It's just, yeah, yeah. you can't really wrap your head around it. And that, that stresses you out just as much as some things on patrol would. Cause you don't want to hurt, cause you don't want to hurt the kid, but you got to stop. Exactly. Except some of these kids <laughs> went to a thing not too long ago talking to my kids and the kid face nose got busted open and stuff like that. And he, He's crying like a little teddy baby, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, finally, I'm, I'm off to the side. I didn't say where the kid at, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, the football. He, I mean, this kid played football. And I look at the other guy. I'm like, why is he crying like he's a freaking teddy baby? Well, <laughs> well, this this kid, I'm gonna find out, was only a sixth grader, but he was six foot three and like three hundred pounds. Man, in the sixth grade, I said, I said, I said, what? He was only like twelve or thirteen years old. I was like, what? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, never mind. Now he is a teddy baby. He's still, a, I mean, but this dude, was, this kid was bigger than me. That's amazing. You know Six foot I mean? three, three hundred pounds. Yeah, That's- yeah. I mean, he's just a beast. And it's like, but obviously he can't take a punch because he was. I was like, right, yeah, really. You got, you got punched one time. You're so big, you should have ate the punch and then ate the kid. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know, but it's like some of these kids you, you don't know because you you hear some of these news stories. Oh, well, that's our cop did this. Well, they didn't tell you the kid was you know six foot three and three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. All you hear is the kid was twelve years old. Yep, yep, yeah. And it's just I don't, I don't know just just media itself that's why a lot of time when stuff comes out i'll see it and i'm like i know in this type of business you want to get your stuff out as fast as possible but when some of these videos and stuff come out and i watch them i'm like i'm like uh i have no idea who that is uh you still there is it yeah, I'm here. Okay. Send that to voicemail. Um, there, uh, I forget where my train of thought was. Well, about oh, the, oh, the video, the now. videos. Yeah, I mean, I want to do a, you know, because that's what you got to do, you know, because as soon as it's, you know, out there. But I watch some of these videos. I'm like, yeah, it's like I can have an opinion on it, but I want to see the rest of the video because this 15 second clip they just sent me. Or they that that's on YouTube, or whatever. I'm like, well, where's the rest of it? Because this just don't yeah. make sense to me, and I don't want to go there. You know, I can't say. Or if I do talk about, it, I'm like, I'm not gonna have an opinion on this yet until the rest of it come out. Like, uh, they had a uh, one in Mississippi not too long ago with a state trooper. The clip they showed on the news, man, it looked like he was just, you know being extremely over-aggressive with this guy on the side of the road and arresting him. Well, when the state police put out the entire, like, 45 minutes worth of body camera footage and you watch it, you're like, man, they need to give this dude an award. <laughs> yeah. they, they, they need to give this cop an award. But if you went from what the news media showed you, you'd swear God, they, they needed to put him in jail. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll manipulate some footage. It's pretty nauseating how they'll do that. Oh yeah, it, it's way sickening. So, but anything else you want to to throw out there about your stuff and everything? No. I just want to let everyone and anyone know, particularly those in law enforcement, I'm here for it. I don't work in the profession anymore, but I do my best to to just help any cop feel supported. I'm not like a counselor, but uh, if you go to the Ten Code Mindset YouTube channel, if if you are having if you are in a bad state in the sense that you're anxious, you're burned out, you're tired, you're fatigued, you're, you're, you're whatever. If something's just not working out and you need, need to, need to uh, rejuvenate or just uh, get some inspiration or, or just to learn more about the profession or how you can grow as a person. Cause I've had to grow as a person to come out of my setbacks that I had in, in life due to the mental health issues I went through. Uh, yeah, just, I'm here for you. So go to the 10 code mindset or, or my website, vscottmedlin.com. And, and I hope I look forward to the day where I'll be speaking at a department and they'll say, Hey, I heard you on the motor cop chronicles podcast. <laughs> I'd like that too. <laughs> and I'm going to, hey, yeah, of course I'm going to put his, <laughs> I'm gonna put his info down in the, uh, description stuff when, uh, 
put this episode will be come out uh this is coming up Sunday uh night about eight o'clock when I usually put them out. So uh you wouldn't tell any of your people about it or anything like that. Other than that, everybody uh stay safe out there. Watch your backs. Uh you know, I always say tell the truth. It's uh, the only thing you have your word and don't be a sheepdog and be the lion until uh next episode. Y'all stay safe.